You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. What's going on, Mike? Grump, I've decided I will be there for mandatory minicamps tomorrow. Oh, I will be actually participating in this mandatory podcast. I'm not going to hold out. Right. So if you guys remember a couple weeks ago, Mike was not here and I had to do the whole thing by myself. Thank God we got that contract dispute over and I (laughs) loaned him $5. Thank you. And I will give you $6 back in return. Oh, nice. How about that? Give and take. Um, but well, well, if we ever had a sponsor, I'd actually would pay you our sponsor's money, but we are brought, we are brought to you tonight by nobody. Yeah. We're brought to you by Elbow Grease. Just uh, sheer hard work. <laughs> but in all seriousness, Odell Beckham has arrived and will be in attendance tomorrow at Mandatory Minicamp, continuing the trend of him, uh, you know, playing along with, uh, I guess, uh, being on his best behavior, wanting that contract. And I think ultimately for him, this guy just likes to win. He wants to be better. He wants to be the best in the game. Yeah, well, you know, it's to his advantage. I mean, we have a whole new coaching staff, a new offense. Uh, he is coming back from a pretty serious injury, and it actually leads me to a follow-up question for you, Grump. Um, let's say last year he does not get hurt, and he has a typical Beckham year. Let's say probably, you know, 80 catches, however, however many touchdowns. His normal flair for playing is occasional one or two media blowups that aren't as important as we think they are. Do you think he's actually reporting tomorrow? Well, I think it's a little bit of a trick question. So there's there's a couple layers to that. So in the event that Beckham has a typical Beckham year, this team does not win three games. So there's a chance that there's not a whole coaching overhaul. And if the case is made that it's still a whole new coaching overhaul, but it's just personal statistics have changed for him, and he didn't get hurt, and he has, he's not as concerned about getting hurt, I think as long as there's that coaching overhaul and he wants a contract extension, yeah, I think he's here. If Ben yeah, I, McAdoo were still here, then we might be talking about a different story. There's no way that Ben McAdoo is here, even if Beckham had a typical Beckham year. They, that locker room was lost. That offense was vanilla before he got hurt. That this team didn't go from three wins to eight wins if he plays. So I think that there's no, I mean, as great as he is, he's still a wide receiver. He's not a quarterback going down. I mean, I'm just saying that's the caveat for me is, is more along the lines of the coaching overhaul, I think is what is keeping him in his good graces because ultimately it comes down to, yeah, new coach, whatever, but you have a whole new GM. That's you know, true. If, if Jerry Reese is still here, do you think he he shows up? You know, that's, you know, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, he's, he's not yet been cleared to play. He's yeah. not yet been cleared even for practice tomorrow. He's going to be there. He'll do his stuff on the side, but, um, you know, but until he actually is cleared to participate in football activities, you know, run real routes, take his first hit, you know, all the little mini milestones that have to be done. It's a bit of a show me, you know, it's uh, they're not going to put their, they're not going to put 
tens of millions of dollars in guaranteed contract until he's you know, out there ready to play. Now, we all think that's going to happen, but it hasn't yet. And, you know, I, I think he's doing 100% the right move. You know, it's a different situation than Julio Jones, um, who did announce that he will not be participating in the, the mandatory minicamp for the Falcons. But um, I just thought it was interesting just how the stars have aligned, you know, and Beckham is doing the right thing because those stars have aligned. I'd be more concerned if he just said, F it, I'm not showing up. So that that just shows me something about some of the maturity that Beckham has that a lot of people say he doesn't have because, you know, he he kicks a net or something stupid. Agreed, 100%. And in, in regards to Julio Jones, I, I don't understand him holding out. I, as As it is, he's the eighth highest wide receiver in the league. But not only that... He is only $2 million removed from being the highest paid wide receiver in the league. These guys are in the middle of a nuclear arms pissing contest where ego and the respect that comes with being the highest paid is very important to these guys. I mean, I think it's as important as rings. And Well, that's what I was going to say. I thought Julio was at that point now in his career where he was the top dollar guy already once. He came so close to winning a Super Bowl, and it didn't happen. And they have a decent roster in Atlanta, and he's not willing to be the guy who is okay with his contract or even takes a pay cut to add some other free agent or something to make the team better. He's the guy who's holding out for the extra $6 million per year or something. Well, let's let's be honest. I mean, how many guys really out there do take the pay cut? And if they do, it's, you know, Hardly anything. I mean, I think uh, Brady. Yep. I mean, did has Peyton has Peyton ever done it? I don't think so. In fact, he took the mega deal with Denver. Yeah. So I mean, that's something where it's like, you know, in a perfect universe, that'd be great if you know, it happens in all the leagues. You know, I remember when Carmelo Anthony with the Knicks said he wouldn't take the max, so he got 124 million instead of 127 million. I mean, hardly enough. Hardly enough to you know change your roster symbolic more than anything but well i mean guys want to get paid you could even go and i know this is to a much lesser extent but brandon marshall last year was the first wide receiver to sign and he signed for an incredibly low deal to stay with the to join the giants and his i mean his line with the media was that he wanted to win but it's it lines up i mean he could have made a lot more money than what he did yeah i I always felt that signing was kind of like a show me contract i knew he wasn't going to be here very long like even if he was decent he was going to try to get more money on his next deal or maybe even hold out this year. I just felt like that was something where I really don't know how many offers he really did have. And if he did, how much money really was out there for him? Well, I mean, how many offers he had? He was he did not have to sign that early. I mean, he was like an early May. So I think he was before the draft. It was early. It was because we did. We I remember we were talking last year on the show about draft strategies. And we had said, well, now they have that big guy in the red zone. That's one less thing they have to. Exactly. concern themselves with but i don't know I mean, some guys some guys don't like to have this the security of not having a contract and brandon marshall did not have the leverage of obviously somebody like julio jones or, or beckham has absolutely like i said to a, to a lesser extent and, and, and if you're and if you're going to try to again what i thought was kind of a show me contract you might as well get it as fast as you can in a biggest a stage that's very bright you know being a, a new york giant it's not like he's trying to Prove it around the league in, you know, Jacksonville or something where, you know, every move isn't magnified where, you know, and potentially you are 
could be overrated because of the exposure you get. It's one distraction we don't need to hear this week. You know, we don't need to hear Beckham didn't show up talk on local media, reading in the back pages on sports radio and all the the podcasts and stuff. It's it's just a distraction. You know, a new coaching staff doesn't need to deal with at this moment. So I'm just glad that he's not doing it, and we'll see what happens. Um, Do you want to make a an educated guess whether the deal will happen this year or next year, or are you still too early to tell? Man, it's, it's it's really tough to see. I I really don't think that it's going to happen before the season starts, and it's it's really hard to imagine it happening during the season. But I see that more than before the season. Yeah, I think if it does happen, I think it will happen in that week between that Thursday night game when we play New England. I, I guess is the last regular season, last preseason game. And then the first regular season game against Jacksonville. That's yeah, what I think it will get done. Oh, really? That's that's your actual prediction? I think it's going to get done. I think it's going to be – they're going to you know, play a little uh, salary cap aerobics between this year and next year's cap numbers. Like You might see them actually take a little less this year for more next year for some cap relief this year. Because I do know it may not impact who they can sign and stuff this year, but I think there's carryovers to next year based on what your cap is this year. So I, I definitely don't think the Giants will sign anything until he's proven he's ready to play again and he's there's no you know zero side effects from the injury. Right. I mean I would if I was a, a front office and you know, we were talking about that kind of dollars and that kind of commitment, you know, I want it all clear. So I don't think you'll see it now. And I think you I think you are gonna see it. I think it's gonna be in that week leading up to the regular season start. I, I certainly hope so. Uh, I mean, that would be ideal. But if it doesn't, I'm not really sure we would see it until... No. Yeah. But, it, I, I mean, you might have, like, a framework that they're talking about and then, like, during the regular season it's just put on hold or something. But That could be. That could be. The bottom line is Odell Beckham is not OBJ if he's not in New York, and he knows that. His brand is being here. His brand doesn't play as well, you know, in San Francisco, Seattle, or somewhere where, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world for his brand to be on the back page, you know, being with some model in some Paris hotel room. Don't think it is. People, oh my God, it's a distraction, but that's building his, you know, his his quan, as, uh, you know, what's his name said in Jerry Maguire, so... Uh, was that Cuba Gooding Jr.? Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. Since it, Rod Tidwell would be if you. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Right. Nevertheless, um, yeah, I'm nervous. I I wouldn't want him on any other team. I wouldn't want to have to face a guy like that. And I'm happy he was drafted here, and I hope he stays here for the yep. duration of his his uh, career. Uh, but you know. I- I'm not I, there yet. <laughs> yeah, and and I don't think if he does if if there's no contract signed now, I I seriously doubt he's leaving, even if he's an unrestricted free agent. So just my just my opinion. Let me ask you, Grump. Um, as we get into minicamp, and we're still you know three months away from the season starting. Other than Beckham, how are all the injuries from last year? You know, what's the progress? I mean, are anybody still non-contact participating? You know. Where are we? Well, we haven't heard anything about Janoris Jenkins, which is the one that concerns me probably the most because 
just how important he is and the lack of depth behind him. But Landon Collins is the one that we do know. He had to get a second surgery on his arm uh, and is was last seen at OTAs wearing the non-contact red penny. But again, you know, the, the broken forearm, I'm not worried about that going to the season. And I have no question about his physicality and willingness to hit where I'm concerned about him not hitting and shit in June. So right. um, as far as I know, that's the only injury that uh, – Because obviously the most important goal coming out of OTAs and minicamp is nobody gets hurt. <laughs> nobody gets hurt, please. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's all we care about. Yeah. It's a good start because we'll ask that question again in November. If it's anything like it was last year, we'll be doing our draft analysis by week 13. 13? Uh, <laughs> um, speaking of week 13, we're going to jump right into uh, our season preview. Uh, we last left, left off on week 4, so I'm just going to do a quick recap on how we're scoring these things and uh, you know what we have so far. So we are designating each of these games as a loss in pen Loss in pencil, win in pencil, win in pen, obviously in order in our confidence in their ability to win the game. Um, and I'm just sort of keeping a tally of what we say, and these scores will be used to ridicule the loser come the <laughs> real results. Um, so in week one, we had Jacksonville is visiting New York. We both had that in as a loss in pen. Uh, the Giants will be in Dallas for week two. In which case, you had a win in pencil and I had a win in pen. Um, and then the Giants are visiting Houston, in which case you have a loss in pen and I have a loss in pencil. And that brings us all the way to week four where New Orleans comes to town to face New York. So I want to know your thoughts. Well, this is pretty much the season right now. If they don't win this game, their season's over. Depends on what Drew Brees is going to be like. You know, is How old is he going to be now? 39? Uh, he already is 39. Okay, so he's going to be close to – so he's one of those guys where by week four you might see the you know decline and fall of, of these quarterbacks. You know, Could happen to Eli as well. Yeah. You know, these guys getting older could happen to Tom Brady. Um, my initial thought is I'm going to put this one as a win in pencil. I think this is one of those games you – know, it's, it's, it's the game of the week, the 425 game. Um. I think this is the game we're going to pull out. Um, I'm I'm counting on a rusty Drew Brees not playing well the first. I think that's been one of the major storylines of the first four weeks of the season. I think we catch them at the right time. If we play them like in week eleven or twelve, you know, or if we caught them at the Superdome, it could be ugly. But I think we're catching them at the right time. I, I think we're going to squeak out a win. So I'll put that one as a win in pencil. Um, I, I think. I'm going to say that there's a lot of things going in the Giants' favor, and I agree with you that this is a turning point in the season, and you know this is going to come down to you know these two quarterbacks. This you know might be the last year for both of them, perhaps. Um, and you know the, a comment was made at the uh, the the Landon Collins license plate guy charity softball game about how the Giants have wasted Eli's prime, and. Uh, I'm not really going to get into all that, but what I will say is I think New Orleans might have wasted a lot of Drew Brees' prime, uh, you know, for a lot of the same reasons of 
a bad offensive line and a horrendous, pathetic defense. And I think what they've done in the last couple of years have been they've realized that and they've you know they've thrown together you know Andrus Pete was drafted Ryan Ramjick they've obtained Max War, Max Unger and Larry Warford they, they've really tried to put together an offensive line they got him weapons in Alvin Kamara. Another thing also with Breeze where time was wasted was you know when they got caught with the bounty gate, which you know really affected that team for a couple of years with you know losing your head coach for a year and your defensive coordinator and you know they, I think they lost draft picks so. Um, but I want to get back to a second to the quote we heard at the softball game. It wasn't his prime was being wasted. It was the last couple of years have been wasted. Uh-huh. I think it's a big difference because I don't – we've had this debate before about, you know, is Eli in the, still in his prime or is he in the decline of his career? And I, I, I would submit the last two or three years, all other factors aside, he's not at prime 2010, 2011 Eli. Yeah, okay, okay, fair. But, um, you know, and in regards to the Bounty Gate thing, I mean, that's also fair, but we're going back now 10 years on that. So that's a little bit, it's true, but it's a little bit of a reach at this point. I mean, it's it's pretty clear New Orleans has fumbled for a while with defensive coordinator mishires, etc. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Rob Ryan was there at one point, which is, I don't even have to finish my sentence, you know how I (laughs) Greg Williams, that scumbag, was there. I mean, that was yeah. when they were actually good, but yeah. Yeah, but, he, but he's still a scumbag. And yeah. Well, I mean, he's, he's, still, he's, he's the still reason. Them, he's the reason why they got in trouble. And, you know, and again, 10 years ago was his prime. Yeah. So yeah, wasted, wasted time. Right. So and, and in any case, my, my point is that they've realized these mistakes and they've they put together a decent offensive line. They've really put together a great defensive backfield. But it's too little too late. I, I mean, there's not much left of Drew Brees' career. And what I'm looking at here is New Orleans, this game is being played in New York, which is a huge advantage for Eli because he plays like shit in the Superdome. Just oh, terrible. Oh, God. Yeesh. Um, and, you know, so that's advantage number one. Uh, Drew Brees does not do all that great out outdoors. I know this isn't going to be like November, but still. Um, hey, you never know. <laughs> you, get, you, get, you can get a little bit of a chill and a breeze in early October. That's, that's very true. Yeah. Um, And I think that the... You know this this late additions to New Orleans building a new defense is they don't really have some great pass rushers up front. I mean Cam Jordan is 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 pretty good, but I mean that's really it. I mean they drafted Marcus Davenport this year, who I I think broke a thumb already. Uh, yes, um, I'm sure I just, he'll be fine. You know, I the, the ticker today said he should be ready for training camp. Yeah, yeah, like but, I said, I'm sure he'll be fine. But I mean. This You're guy, missing valuable time. Yeah, right and, and he was extremely raw coming out, which is why people were throwing their arms up in the air when they found out that New Orleans traded up for him. And, I mean, he's a great prospect, and he'll develop into something, but the idea that he's going to be some massive diff-maker right by week four is a, is a little insane. Uh, I, don't, right, I don't see that right. happening. And I think that their linebackers are level, even pale in comparison to New York. So, I mean, Demario Davis, A.J. Klein, Craig Robertson, I mean, oof. Um, they have Alex Anzalone, though. Once a Gator, always a Gator, so watch it. <laughs> mm. uh, they also have Manti Teo, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that this new offensive strategy with the addition of drafting Saquon Barkley, I think a lot of th- they're going to attack that 
defensive front rather than defensive back, which is the strength of that team. And they're going to be able to run the ball, move the ball, get a lot of, you know, get the linebackers trying to chase with these screen passes. And I think the Giants are going to win this one. But I'm still going to put it in pencil because, like I said, it, like you said, sorry, um, this is going to be a turning point in the season. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to. It's very difficult to do, kind of build your own narrative in your head how a season's going to go. And, you know, I'm building my narrative of they were 0 3 and they are an extreme desperation time. Now, I'm not looking at this team in terms of, okay, are they going to be a second or third seed in the playoffs? I'm looking at development over last year and the new coaching staff. But, you know, just because they're 0 3 doesn't mean their season's over what this team is trying to accomplish this year. So that's why I think week four is that much more of a must for them. I the other teams, it would be 0-3. Yeah, sure. Um, and moving on, uh, the Giants will be traveling to Charlotte to visit the Carolina Panthers, where we will be in attendance. That's right. That will be our first uh, road trip of the year. We were one of our patented uh, Florida Giant doubleheaders that week, so that will be a lot of fun. Yeah, or a giant hangover. Uh, <laughs> see what I did there? That was a nice little pun by oh. Yeesh. All right, so so what's it going to be, Giants at Carolina? This looks like a loss in magic marker to me. Really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we had mentioned it earlier this year. There's always that one game where they completely shit the bed on the road, mm-hmm. and this is definitely one of those candidates for that shitting the bed on the road. Um, I, I, I don't like it at all. I don't like faking, uh, meeting Cam Newton. I think he can destroy us. <laughs> um, I, I just, I just don't have any hope for this one at all. It just—it's just one of those games where I think just the, the situation of being on the road in Week Five. If we had some success going out, it looks like a guaranteed loss for me. Wow. Okay. I um, I'm actually going to put this one as a win in pencil. Um, I agree that this is. This is the time in the year, and this is like the road trip, and it's 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 everything that always falls into place where it's a in conference game, you know that they just they come out flat, and you're just like, why did I spend money to watch this? What um, am I doing here? Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. But you know, I look at this Carolina team as a roster, and this team is at a turning point. They're at a junction in their franchise history on what the fuck they're doing, because. Mm-hmm. There are some gaps in their roster, particularly in the back, the defensive backfield. Um, and I, I just – I don't know that they're really addressing the depth year to year, and I think this, this roster is slowly falling apart. I mean they're, they are time-wise a stone's throw away from being that undefeated team going into like week 15 or something. But roster-wise, it's like night and day. And um, Cam Newton is one of those guys, like you said, that can destroy a team. But he's a guy who can destroy himself. He is very, We've seen it where he gets down on himself. He doesn't handle mm-hmm. press conferences because he's upset. He doesn't like an offense, so he purposely runs it like shit and complains. You know, And, and this is a coaching staff that's been a little bit gutted. Um, I believe they lost their defensive coordinator this year. Well, I was just going to say that we have a major advantage that we have their old offensive coordinator now, who's with them for five years. Right. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of the hire. I am fortunate that we have knowledge and intel for this one particular game. You know, he knows Cam Newton's tendencies. He knows what works. 
you know, are they completely revamping their offense? I mean, with Cam Newton, the offense is only going to be so much of a change than it is now, where at the end of the day, it's going to be him creating something out of nothing and utilizing his legs and his, his bulk. So having, you know, having the guy that coached him for the last five years might help, in this, especially the recency of it. Yeah. It's one of those things where there are obvious strengths to this team. I mean, the offensive weaponry between, um, obviously, Cam, Christian McCaffrey, also uh, Torrey Smith is a guy I can see if this game goes badly just torching us, um, and obviously Greg Olson. And then, you know, you even have Graham Gano as a great kicker. So there's that. And then the defensive front with with Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley, uh Julius Peppers, you know, these guys can give us all fits. It's just the the gaps. I mean, their offensive line isn't really all that great. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of Torrey Smith, he's pretty much the only wide receiver they've got. And their defensive backfield, I mean, I mean, James Bradbury, Mike Adams, Denora Searcy, Ross Cockrell, Dante Jackson, Captain Munnerlin. Are any of these names jumping out as frightening you? Not really, no. Um, Ross Cockrell is a guy we wish we still had, but he's not someone like I fear on the other side. Exactly. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't put Ross Cockrell in there as erasing Odell Beckham or shit, even Sterling Shepard. Um, when I look at this, it's this is one I agree. This one could turn real sour real quick. But when I look at the rosters at this point in the year, given what happened to Carolina over the off season. There's a good chance that this team might be spiraling out of control when they face the Giants. Yeah, that's how, that's, I, that's how I see it. Yeah, and that's again, that's why I'm going to put this one as um, a loss in pen. So I'm now at one and four, <laughs> and <laughs> no, you were you were at two and three. You had a win I'm two against three. Dallas. Yeah, I did. I did. Okay, so we're at two and three, and I'm I'm at three and two. Okay, which leads us to week six, and that would be Philadelphia at the New York. I am going to shock the world and call this a win in pencil. Wow. Because this this is the NFL. This is the type of game where a team like Philadelphia can shit the bed on the road. Primetime game. Um, we have 11 days of a break. Because we don't play on the 18th. Okay, yep. So we have extra time to prepare for it. It just seems like, you know, a division rivalry game at home. The crowd is going to be fired up. I think you'll see a lot of Eagle fans in the stands because, you know, a lot of Giant fans sell their tickets for night games. But you will see a lot of pissed off Giant fans, a little, a lot of obnoxious Eagle fans, a raucous crowd. And this could be one of those games where the Eagles could be potentially 5-0 and or 6-0 and in coming and get their asses kicked against a division team. We've seen it a thousand times in the NFL. And um, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call my shot right now. Because you guys have sensed a kind of a pessimistic tone but by the way this season I think is going out. But this could be the game of the year that the Giants play. And we have debated their quarterback situation, the merits of them or not. Or not. I just think it's a game we all put it all together. And I'm going to put this one as a win in pencil. Man, I can't believe this. I, I thought for sure you'd have this as a loss in pen. I have this as a win in pencil for a lot of the same reasons. Um, yeah. Um, you know, 
I understand what Philly did last year was remarkable, and it it literally makes me sick to my stomach to say it. But you know, to go as far as they did and to win so handily against New England in the on the biggest stage with the backup quarterback, nevertheless, who once was a starting quarterback not all that long ago, but still, it's it's remarkable. And if the Giants had done it, I would be bragging about it to this day. So I get all that. But what I remember is watching this team very nearly lose to one of the worst Giants teams I've ever witnessed with my own eyes. Twice! Twice. You remember in week two or week three, it's a 61-yard field goal to win. Yeah. I mean... At least in that game, it was not the worst roster I've ever seen at that point. <laughs> but but by by week, what was it, 16, 15, this was one of the worst rosters the Giants have had in at least in the last 10 years. It was the worst. For all intents and purposes, they should have lost right away to Atlanta in, in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So, I mean, what they did was remarkable. I still don't think this team is that great. Um, and they play Atlanta right off the bat, and I think they lose. And I, I think a lot of that is going to contribute to the quarterback situation. I think whether they stay with Foles, if he loses that game, you'll immediately hear the calls for Wentz. If Wentz goes in there and he shits the bed, you'll hear the calls for Foles. Oh, I think, Wentz is, I think Wentz is a starting quarterback, no questions asked. Well, it's going to depend on the health of his knee. I know he's running yeah, 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 right yeah, now, yeah, but yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just saying, depending on how that goes, one way or another, once that loss happens, yeah. That the, the whole organization, and suddenly Doug Peterson, the miracle Super Bowl winner, is back to being like, who the hell is this guy? Well, are, Philly a, fans, are Philly fans that fucking stupid to be calling for Wentz if he can't play yet? I mean, well, it's, <laughs> I guess it's, they kind of are. I, I mean, it's going to be one of those things. Maybe not calling for Wentz, but calling for the – like, why, why is Foles in here? We got – this is the best we can do, you know, and then maybe maybe they want to rush Wentz back. Yeah, sure. Um and I think that they lose again to the Vikings. I'm not really sure how you know against they'll do against the Bucks, Colts, and Titans. They all sound like wins to me. But I think once they lose again to the Vikings, this team is suddenly coming from Super Bowl to three and two versus, in my scenario, also three and two Giants. They come here, and I I think that they get really really rattled. And I think it's a close game, but I think that there's going to be those backbreaker plays for the Eagles where. Beckham takes a slant or some shit for 75 yards, you know, some ridiculous catch by Evan Ingram that by all means shouldn't have happened. Um, and if, I think if we, go, if we go back in history in the last like 15 years of teams that have won a Super Bowl seemingly out of nowhere, I'm not talking about the, you know, the Patriots or, you know, the Broncos or something. I'm talking about teams that were kind of like, you know, Eight and eight, and all of a sudden win a Super Bowl. Usually, they don't play that well the next year. You know, it's like all sorts of, uh, you know, craziness ensues. Like all of a sudden, they're struggling at three and four or something. Obviously, I have my numbers to back it up. I could be completely wrong, but it certainly feels like there is a Super Bowl hangover for those type of teams. And I just think you've seen it a hundred times in the NFL. The Giants were examples of it twice, where you get on a roll in the postseason, and you may just be. Know, an okay team and gets really better. Now they just seem to get better and better as the season went on. Mm-hmm. You know, even after the injury. But everybody, nobody had them when the playoffs started going going to the Super Bowl. And then you know, people got full full magic stardust in their eyes and started thinking they were going to win the Super Bowl. But 
I don't know. I, I, I definitely see a hangover at this team. I'm still not convinced our head coach is any good. I mean, yeah. I remember I remember being in Philly last Christmas time. This is Christmas of 2016. And you listen to WIP, and it was just like, why do we have this buffoon? I mean, it's like, it sucks that the Giants got McAdoo, and we ended up with this buffoon. And let's fast forward a year later. Yeah, really. So, you know, let's... Before we crown this team as the next dynasty, I think they got some things to work out. And I think by the time we get to week six, we're going to see if they were pretenders or a legit team. I just think it's the right time with the week off, being at home, night game, division rival. We could pick off a win. Even if we are two and three or one and four before that point, it just seems like one of those games where that's where the parody in this league really shows. Yeah, and and I have to say, there, if there is one strength to this team that I cannot deny, it's their defensive line. The, just the, the sheer depth in it, the, the fact that Jim Schwartz is the guy running the show. But I think that's also going to be their downfall. I mean, once this team's, if this team starts to lose, that's where you see the lack of character in the defensive coordinator all the way down. I mean, mm-hmm. you get in there and you get guys like Michael Bennett. And I, I was a huge fan of Martellus Bennett, but Michael Bennett, I have to think personality-wise is a problem. Um, and I, I think you start seeing these guys start complaining. There starts to be a locker room problem. And, uh, yeah. Well, once, once, you win, once you win a ring, you all want to get paid. Yeah. You all think you it's because of you is why you won a Super Bowl. So there's a different mindset in the locker room after, you know, the the desire and the – hunger for winning as opposed to I am on top of the mountain now. So that's when you see these little petty things start to to boil up. And if they come out of the gate struggling a little bit, you could see that. Yeah, but but make no mistake about it. Uh, Matchup-wise, that's going to be a real problem for this game. Oh, it's a massive problem, sure. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully by the time we're at week six, we'll start to figure out things, you know. Yeah, of course. So there you have it. Um, I had three straight win in pencils. Um, and Mike had win in pencil, loss in pen, win in pencil. So we're going to keep this rolling on through to next week where we do season preview three and then whatever sort of mini camp notes pop up. I would say probably we go through the next few weeks of schedule and then we start thinking about our, maybe our position breakdowns and then we really get into serious schedule talk. And before you know it, we're going to be at training camp. So, yeah, but be sure to follow us on Twitter um, I am at football underscore grump where I will give you all of my sort of thoughts as these things happen. You can find me as always at the cranky fan. I am talking about obviously giant football, but I'm also talking all things Florida Gators as we speak, as we record this on a Monday night. My Gators are locked in a 2-2 battle in the bottom of the eighth inning for the right to go to the College World Series. So it's amazing how I can, you know, pontificate about the Giants and watch a baseball game at the same time, but I am multi-talented. So again, at the Cranky Fan for all of my stuff on Twitter. And this show is always on iTunes and SoundCloud. Uh, It's Just Giants Podcast. Um, Just give it a search, subscribe, and I promise you will get all of our episodes when they launch, and you will have a great time listening to it on your way to work, on your way to class, if you're taking summer classes, I guess. Um, (laughs) And... uh, and all of those episodes are on Twitter, too. If you forget, you'll be reminded uh, if you follow at Just Giants Pod or either one of us because we'll retweet it, too. But, yeah, that's where you'll find us. And if you could please leave us a five-star review, we would greatly appreciate it because we deserve it. And because yeah. you want 
more stuff, and uh, that's how it happens. Yeah, and obviously we want money, so <laughs> we want we want more people to be aware of our little podcast, and you know we always love to go back and forth with you guys on Twitter and on Facebook and wherever you know we can interact with these. But so the more giant fans that know about us, the more fun the show will be, and maybe we'll actually get a a guest or a someone on the show too we can actually talk to except talking to ourselves that would be the goal that's the goal (laughs) all right everyone we'll see you next week go giants go giants